Hello, everyone. It is CJ and Jacob again on another episode of One Pod to Rule Them All. And hey, look, we started this podcast to be able to have some sort of a following for when the show dropped, the Rings of Power dropped, and now we're able to discuss it. Uh, Today, we're going to have a pretty special guest on the show. Uh, Most everybody knows if you listen, his name is Elijah. He is on Twitter as Elijah the Middleborn. He will be on here pretty soon. But uh, Jacob, first two episodes released. I know you watched them. I think that you you liked it. Um, but like, what do you think so far? Yeah, you know, I I I like the episodes for sure. Uh, I don't think they blew me away. Um, I don't think they blew anyone away really. I mean, we had talked about that on last pod, so I can't sit here and lie and say you know I, I I'm happy with the two episodes in the sense that they blew me away because they didn't. But it was still enjoyable. I still think there were really cool parts of the episodes. Um, but for me, not knowing the lore as deeply, there were a lot of moments in the episode where even me not knowing the lore, and this tells you how kind of out of pocket some of the stuff that happened in this episode were, even me not knowing what happens in the second age. CJ, you can confirm this. I was texting him while I was watching because CJ had already seen the fan event, he was already there and seen it a few days before me. I was like, did this happen in canon? Did this happen in canon? Did this actually happen? Because some of the stuff that happened, even for me, I was like, what is this? This is kind of weird and not what I saw in the movies and kind of differentiates itself from the movies. Um, I think part of it was an adjustment to the actor who plays Elrond. I think that affected my view of it a lot too, because you're sitting there and you're trying to personify what you've already seen of Elrond into someone else. And so like in other things, like let's say Marvel, it's easy to do it when it's like the multiverse, quote unquote, and it's actually like a different version of a character, like what they did with Spider-Man. But with this, it's supposed to be the same guy and they're supposed to be immortal beings that never change appearance. So it's kind of just that weird thing in your head, like him and Galadriel shouldn't look different, but they do. Galadriel's not that much of like a difference to me because she kind of looks similar to Kate Blanchett, but there is like no semblance uh, like of any similarity between the original Elrond, uh, I forget, Hugo Weaving is the original one and the new guy. So uh, definitely a little bit of a thing there for me. Um, but yeah, like my big thing was, it's one of those things where I was sitting there, I was enjoying it because it looked really cool. It felt really cool, but I was like, did some of this stuff even happen? And then finding out that some of it didn't happen in canon it kind of ruined the enjoyment for me in that aspect of it. But the stuff that was good was good. And so I just hope we get more of that, but we'll discuss that stuff throughout this pod. But that, that's kind of my general thoughts uh, of the first two episodes. Yeah. So look, I mean, I went to the fan screening. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was to be able to watch in a movie theater definitely like skewed my perception of it for the first you know, the first night, you know, when I got home, uh, but it was kind of cool. Like you got to the fan screening and they, you know, they did something real nice. I don't know if Amazon did this or if um, this was just, you know, the movie theaters doing this, but you know, if on your ticket was a $10 voucher for, um, you know, anything that you wanted at the concession stands, which was pretty neat. Cause there was a bunch of people there seeing other movies and they didn't have that stuff, but everybody that was going into the rings of power all had a voucher, which was, which was neat. Then I get into the theater. It is fully packed. There isn't a seat empty in the house. That was awesome. 
Um, the last time I was able to watch Lord of the Rings or, or anything Middle Earth related in theaters was the Battle of the Five Armies. By then, I think The Hobbit had already gotten a little bit of a bad reputation and it wasn't, I guess, you know, perceived the way that the first episode of the or the first movie of The Hobbit was. So I don't remember the theater being fully packed, but um, it was good. It was it was fun to be in there. And then you had this bouncer that that came out and like they had there was two bouncers at the Rings of Power uh, fan screening. And they basically went in front of the whole movie theater and they were like, no videos, no texting, no oh, yeah. watches, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh boy. So like, I wanted to write down some notes as I was watching. I had to remember all of it. They were like hawks in there. They, they were they were looking. So um, really had to remember everything just from head, in my head. But um, look, again, visually, it's stunning. I mean, I definitely wish that there was some more practical, like just strolling through the woods and or, or you know. yes. The way that Peter Jackson's movies portrayed New Zealand made it made it seem fake and real at the same time, and there was they, like he had that perfect in between. Um, and I just find that the Rings of Power, although beautiful on my screen and while I'm sitting on my couch, I definitely it just doesn't feel the same. Um, but look, I mean, there's a there was a lot to enjoy from from the show. I mean, look, you 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 return to Middle Earth, like no matter what, you return to Middle Earth. If you love it the way I do, it's a positive. I'm happy. I'm happy to watch. I I really am. Um, but you know, there was there were a lot of negatives, and I like we've been discussing on the Twitter quite quite frequently now. And we're gonna go to go into a deep dive on this with Elijah as well, but. Jacob and I have not been the account that is going to attack, let's just say, the actors and actresses that are um, people of color, right? And and in my honest opinion, genuinely, when I was in the movie theater and when I watched, when I rewatched at home, the first two episodes, the characters that I that I felt the most compelled, like that were most compelling on screen. When they were when they were speaking, Arandir and and Disa. For me, I, in in all honesty, and I, and I am not just saying that. I am very very honest on these podcasts and on the Twitter. Arandir, in my honest opinion, out of all of the elves that got the amount of screen time, okay, he acted like those peter jackson movies with with like he what he talked slow it felt it felt like i don't want to say royal but it felt like um stoic angelic stoic right it felt it and and he killed it in my opinion and and his face never wavered he always looked concerned sad and and intense at the same time like that is what i loved about the peter jackson movie elves like every time that they were on screen you felt like they were they their mind was working in a different way than than a, than immortals and right. that's how Arondir did it and then Disa in my opinion I thought she was amazing I thought that she carried the dinner scene I thought that she was the perfect like median middle ground in between Elrond and Durin at genuinely really good I think her acting is really pow- powerful Sophia Sophia Namvete I think is her, is her name so again <laughs> there are no issues on our end but I do have issues with some of the scenes and prior to Elijah joining I just want to say this when Arondir and Bronwyn hang out by that well and they're discussing things 
and then Arondir leaves. And then there's that one elf that's like talking to him like a total bro. That just was so out of left field. Yeah, um, like I, it was corny. Elves don't do that shit. They do, they're not talking like that. They're not like, so did you get any water? Like, you know, like, did you basically, it's like, did you get her number? And it's just like, it's just wild to me. It's absolutely wild. It makes literally zero sense. And we'll talk about more of that later. But I sat there in my chair and that was one thing that hit me right in the face. I'm like, dude, like you could kill the whole show. You could really kill it. Like you could kill it. But if you get the elves wrong, if you get the, if you make them out to be like these just normal dudes, norm, normal Joe Schmoes from from down like down the street. Seriously, that is where you are going to have a lot of problems with, yeah. with fans because the elves are immortal. They're they they're like touched by the gods. Like the, the it's just wild. It's wild to me. It's it's genuinely wild. We'll talk about that more, but uh, I think we're about ready here for Elijah. So Jacob, any any closing thoughts for the intro here? Well, I just want to say I I do agree with you about Arondir and Disa. I thought they were great. Um, they were the most extravagant too. Like they just pop on the screen. It's just that's what you wanted from from characters. And so did Durin. That there were certain characters that just were like, okay, boom, they're good. And I think Durin falls under that too. Um, I think Gil Galad was very good. Um, uh, I thought I liked his performance a lot. Uh, but some of the shaky ones were the ones that weren't portrayed the way I liked, kind of like Galadriel, Elrond, Celebrimbor for me even was a little like on the edge. Like I, I, I if he's going to be the one that's forming the rings and forging them, I wanted him to sound almost smarter. If that sounds weird, like more wise in a way, he kind of just, again, like it sounded like a, a normal guy that just had this idea to forge rings instead of it being like a really serious, you know, wise decision that's based on things. Like, he's just like, hey, uh, this thing can create a lot of power and we can make this really hot fire and it's a good idea. You want to help? And it was just like, that's the conversation, seriously? So like, Yeah, that, I, it, I think that they, they, they jam-packed in a bunch of stuff in the first two episodes. They did. Um, and there are going to be episodes where we're exploring more of the characters' um, backstory and whatnot. I actually thought the, the actor that's playing Celebrimbor is, in my opinion, he's good. He's convincing. And I liked how they set up his character, too, because they've set up his character to where he's like, I want to build this forge. It, it can, you know, it can... It's intriguing. Make a fire as hot as a dragon's breath. Like, you know... And, I, and it could really transform Middle-earth. Like, we can do some real good here for, for Middle-earth. And that's setting up his character because, obviously, Celebrimbor is the one who teams up with Anatar, a.k.a. Sauron, to forge the rings of power. And, and, and But he's, you know, ultimately deceived. His, um, his character is going to be tragic because I don't know if you know, but, you know, in the books, he is... Um, when he tries to hold back the rings of power from Sauron, once he realizes he's been deceived, he hides the rings of power. And then Sauron shows up to his doorstep with a massive army of orcs in Eregion, which you saw that realm. They have to defend it. They ultimately lose. And the orcs of Mordor and Sauron put Celebrimbor's body on a spike, strip him of his clothes, and they wave him around as a banner. So, 
there's been a lot of talk in our Twitter threads and our followers. Is this the actor that we want to see stripped naked and flown around on a banner? I don't think that that was ever going to happen, in my opinion, in the Ranger Power show. But I definitely think that if they want to stick to the lore, then he needs to actually be put on a spike. And and we'll see. But anyway, just saying, I wow. think that they set up his. I think they set up his character really well because he, at this moment in the story, he is very hopeful to do something very good for Middle Earth. So we'll see. Um, all right. Well, Elijah's getting ready here, so we're going to cut this and then. Next time you hear from us in a couple seconds, we will be on with Elijah. So thank you guys and hope you enjoy the rest of the pod. All right, we're back here with Elijah. Elijah, how you doing, man? Doing great. How are you guys? Pretty good. good. It's great to have you on. I know we've been talking for like the last month to get you on. And I never knew what what would be like the best uh, time to have you on. But I feel like it's now because we've just got the first and second episodes out of the way. Um, so before we dive into it, I guess, Elijah, what would you say? Like, like, what would you rate it? What, in all honesty, like one to 10, give me a decimal point too. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, uh, I'm gonna have to be like a five, five and a half. Yeah, I was at five and a half as well. In all honesty, I was, I was right. So I was six and a half when I left the movie theater. I'm telling you right now, I gave this an additional point because I was at the movie theater. And I think the movies and being there, surround sound, huge screen, definitely made it way better than it was because mm-hmm. I watched the next day with my girlfriend on the couch and she was like, she was just laughing at she she really likes Lord of the Rings and the, and the Hobbit movies. Um, mm-hmm. She's read the books, but I think she was laughing a couple times at some of the short haired elves because they just looked awkward. And maybe that's something that we got to get used to. Uh, but yeah, I was at a five and a half. Jacob, what, what were you at? I know, Jacob, you kind of liked it and you had texted me like, I don't know why some people would be upset at this. Well, that's because like I'm I'm not like, you know, the deep lore stuff. And that's why, like when I was seeing that the show was breaking the canon, it started to dock off points for me. Because that's what I've been saying on these episodes leading up is that I can enjoy it as much as I want. It can look good. It can feel good. But if it's not the actual story, then like I can't feel like I can enjoy it. So I'm kind of like where you guys are. I mean, like in terms of enjoyment level, I was at like a six or a six and a half um, because the episode definitely lagged a little bit. It's not like it had amazing pacing either. Um, But that's expected. I mean, this is a world building, you know, first two episodes. They're supposed to be drawn out and be a little bit slower so you can kind of feel the impact a little bit more but uh yeah i'm kind of with you guys in terms of that level probably around a six yeah i actually thought they went pretty fast like in that first. they went fast with the dialogue for sure and they went fast in the intro explaining morgoth like it was just brushed over like that's so much deep stuff that they just say in like 30 seconds yeah i mean I almost feel like that that's a rights thing. I don't know about you, Elijah. Like, I, I just don't know what they can touch and what they can't yeah. touch. Well, it's, it's so confusing because they've said one thing, but then they're showing things that they don't have rights to on the other, uh, according to what they've said. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I think that there's a statue in, in uh, Linden of, um, I think it's Baron and her and the Hound. Who on? Yeah, there's a guy like but, holding the, the dragon helm of Dorloman. There's. Yeah. <clears throat> luthien with the hound so so it's like you do you have rights to easter eggs but you can't just show it <laughs> like, doesn't yeah, make I think. Think. baron baron and luthien is in the appendices and yeah, throughout, exactly. like what i feel like it is is it's kind of like this situation that like marvel went through when they didn't have the full rights to the x-men they couldn't use the mm-hmm. word mutant 
uh, but they could kind of like use words that like describe it that don't use the terminology mutant. So like it might be one of those things to where they can show it, but they can't speak the word and that, that like it might be one of those things. Because yeah, from what I, I mean, saw the Nerd of the Rings, they said that shot of the red, the red seam where everyone's dying and floating in the air. Uh, he said that that's probably the Undying Lands or something like that, or a scene of that, but they couldn't no, say it, not, but they no. showed it. That would have been Balerion singing in the sea, because they don't even show Balerion. Yeah. They go immediately from uh, Amon to Second Age Middle-Earth. Yeah, they don't show, yeah, they basically like, it, you know, like Morgoth and the war, like, scorched the face of the earth. So what was that scene? Like, the, it was the red backdrop with the knife and the person, they're floating. So, so they're, they're, they're underwater, and like, like, um, if you, the Middle Earth map kind of got almost cut in half, because the first age, almost all of it took place in Beleriand, which is a, which was, let's just say a continent of Middle Earth, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but huge. Yeah, huge exactly huge and the elves had it there was a bunch of cities and, and dominions there and then the dwarven cities of belagos and nagra they got for the most part sunk into the water so basically mm -hmm. larian gets sunk in the water at the end of the first at the first age after the war of wrath and um then that's what you're seeing like all those people floating and they got spears through them that is that Beleriand is underwater and um, where Galadriel is standing, piling a bunch of helmets on top. I have no clue where that would be because you would imagine that that was sunk underwater because that was where a battle took place. <laughs> I don't know. So but that's another part with that is that the, the timeline of it is so awkward. Like then Morgoth was defeated and his greatest servant was Sauron and the orcs multiplied over the face of the earth. I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, why are you going out of order with this? Like, is Morgoth defeated and then the orcs? Or Morgoth was defeated in the end, and we're trying to go back and describe that he had all the orcs and the everything, you know, beforehand. It's, yeah. It's yeah. incredibly confusing. It's it's honestly, in my opinion, it's it's whether it's a right thing or rights thing or not, we'll we we will know later on. Like that will become public knowledge. If the show tanks real bad. There will be two things that Amazon and the showrunners pivot to. Number one will be the unfortunate bad eggs all over Twitter and Instagram that spew yeah. hate comments towards the showrunners and the actors that and the actresses. Mm -hmm. They will point to that, and then they will point to, well, we didn't have enough rights, and you know there was this, that, and this, and who knows if there's something going on with with Peter Peter Jackson, Warner Brothers, and new line cinema or whoever I, I i don't know who there mm -hmm. might be something going on there i saw somewhere online that the whole long hair issue is because of peter jackson's movies and i don't know if that's entirely true or not but i guess that's my final take on the rights thing we're gonna need i, a, I heard an interesting take on it like i i heard they even wanted for this show to pay homage to the third age and show stuff from the third age to like kind of show like you know hey this is what it was like and kind of just to remind fans and place those images in to remind normies like hey this is where this was in the original trilogy blah 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 they couldn't even do that and the video that i was watching he was like if you couldn't use stuff from the third age or the first age why why even make the show because that stuff's almost essential and if you're not even allowed to use any of it right like can you even do a second age show well mm -hmm. i don't even think that they need to use much of the third age i think that they could just hint at things like maybe foreshadowing or whatnot yeah. but I mean, no, I mean I they have the rights to put on TV anything from Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and the appendices. So they have all that third age material. 
they've got the 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 founding of the dwarves they've got all these different you know aspects that they can put in um even the the harfoot thing like the only reason i can imagine them using the word harfoot isn't a rights issue but because they want to give themselves an excuse we'll say well yeah hobbits didn't exist but harfoots are proto hobbits which yeah, is what they've said there before. Was that, there was that note by by Tolkien, I think, in the Second Age about the the Harfoots living somewhat close to the dwarves and cause of doom and, and whatnot. It was like a couple of lines, and they found a way to to get them into the story. And and as annoying as I said they were going to be, and to be honest with you, when they're on screen, I am not paying attention as closely as anyone yep. any of the other races yeah. on screen. I didn't think that they were like terribly bad. I I, I didn't. I yeah. actually was more frustrated more with Galadriel's storyline than I was the Harfoots. Yeah. Like the Harfoots well, were on screen. Like, and I'm like, it's a break from me being frustrated with Galadriel and so the Harfoots like, felt a little Disney-fied to me. They probably yeah. the Harfoots are fine. So like like the I don't like them in the story at all. Um, but like if it was just their own thing, like if they decided to make a little Harfoot show. All the actors are doing fine. The script is what it is, but the uh, there's like nothing awful about the the actors and, and actresses in, in the Harfoot sequence. There's nothing supremely. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some more breaking stuff because they don't even learn writing until they meet like the men of Rohan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, this and one, already, you know, like, the guys totally got a prophecy like book. Yeah, what like what is with it? The, the stars? Yeah, like the stars, the constellations, and, and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. like that's like that's deep, deep lore stuff. Like which which obviously like it's a, it's annoying for you and I, but stuff that we can probably look past in the grand scheme of things. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they were always going to put the Harfoots in the story because of how Tolkien wrote them mm-hmm. in those three sentences or whatever he wrote about them. Yeah. Um, and they they definitely sat there and were like, how are we going to make the Harfoots important? And I I would say that the the way to make them important is for some sort of a Maiar spirit to spawn there, if you will. And that's how their their storyline ties in with everything. Now, whether yeah. that's a blue wizard or somebody else, who knows? Uh, Jacob had read, pulled up an article on the last episode that the showrunners have already said it's a Gandalf-like spirit. So I think that they've already kind of addressed the fact that it's not Gandalf, which would be a big relief because that would be terrible. Um, but the, the Stranger, I actually find the Stranger to be, out of all the things in the Harfoot, that to me is the most annoying. I, I don't even, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's not even that intriguing to me. Some people think yeah. it's Radagast. Is that a possibility? It could be. I'd be less upset if it was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I mean, it's as good a possibility as anything. I mean, honestly, I think that because they they referenced the man in the moon in one of their uh, one of their interviews. They said like, "Oh, we're looking at you know, we found a line and we use it to inspire an entire storyline and and all this stuff." And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, so you're doing the man in the moon. I read up on the man in the moon and the the, the poem, mm-hmm. and it's the man in the moon came down too soon. And in the poem, I mean, it's just a silly poem. The dish ran away with the spoon. The, the it's it's got all those you know nursery rhyme type stuff. It's a nursery rhyme. It's not a it's not a deep legend of the hobbits. Yeah, yeah, it's not something <clears throat> that really mattered. But like the man in the moon has white horses. The man in the moon goes back to the moon. Um. Yeah. So like, 
like yeah, i can totally see makes me think gandalf or saruman or something yeah because gandalf had the the maris yeah exactly you know, shadow facts and all that so i'm like is it saruman that it could because we never got to see, see like something a, a gave it away like, something about the stranger kind of gave it away for me that it's not gandalf that whole scene where like he's basically sending these fireflies to their death to 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 point out something in the stars and then like they all just fall and die and he turns around and looks at them and like nori and eleanor i think is her name i don't know she, they're, they're uh, like, uh, is it that i don't even poppy 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 i don't know why i said eleanor poppy and and nori are are like frightened by the fact that like all these fireflies which in their culture and in their tribe i am more than positive fireflies are a big deal because that's how they get light at night and now they're all just dying and they're probably like what the hell is this guy um so yeah i mean i feel like that to me it would be it wouldn't be gandalf but anyway um harfoot's this harfoot's that um i mean he looks sad when they die you know he he has like tears in his eyes he does he did look sad but like yeah. everyone's crying constantly in this show. Yeah, everybody is crying a lot, and they always look like teary eyed anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so yeah, that's our spitball in the beginning here. Let's dive into the into the intro here. The intro to the first the first episode, right? We get the the whole war. We get Galadriel as a child, a bunch of school mm-hmm. basically school bullies running around throwing rocks at her stuff. Finrod comes around the corner. Elijah, what are we thinking here? I hated the whole thing so much because it's not Amon like kids in Amon were like it says you know they didn't even need supervision at all mm-hmm. and if they're if they're going to beat each other up like Galadriel is totally going to take that dude out and yeah, exactly. like, she, she if they're going to be beating each other up here. you know the parents are going to be watching what they're doing yeah if because that because it clearly it, it almost it, it, it seemed like whoever that was that was throwing the rocks at at her ship and, and her little origami um they looked like they had some history between each other like they're she she clearly seemed like she wasn't an outcast of the group but like she wanted to do her own thing she was done hanging out with those kids mm-hmm. anyway i mean Finrod, I, I thought Finrod was cool. I mean, his whole his whole thing about uh, he devoted his life to hunting Sauron. That's not true, but yeah. I thought that Finrod himself, like the actor, was pretty good. Yeah, I think the actor, I think, is fine. The short hair, notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> short, short hair, man, I hate the short hair. I hate it so much. It's I hate so it with bad. every fiber. It's, of my it's just, it's visually like it's just something that we're not used to, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're ever going to get used to. Yeah. It's a like I, I don't know if you saw the clip that I posted um, over uh, someone uh, someone had posted the fight Galadriel's fight scene with the troll you know, from later mm-hmm. on, and I posted a clip from Scalagrim on YouTube where he's like, "Your brain's going to want to slap your eyeballs for being naughty." <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know. It's just the the it's the short hair is almost offensive to see on an elf because it the hair is one of the things that visually sets them apart and makes them regal and elegant and beautiful and exactly the short hair i mean what do they do go to great clips exactly like what it doesn't make any sense to me it makes no sense and like i i even said that on twitter one time it was, mm-hmm. it was and then somebody's like you, do they not have scissors in, in middle earth i'm like oh, come on like give me a break like dude like there's an elf like and i know we're jumping forward in the episodes but there's an elf out by that watchtower in the southlands that like comes up to a rondeer with like a note or whatever and like his hair looks like he literally took a buzz like a buzzer to it 
like a, yeah. like, a, like a little and i'm like this is th- what what are we doing here like wh- why are we doing this this makes no sense like th- like this was the this was the easiest in my opinion out of all the things for the show this was the easiest thing for you to get right just give them just give them long hair yeah and the guy who plays a ron deer we we've seen him with long hair he yeah, looks he's, amazing he's awesome he's awesome <laughs> like he's he's great genuinely that was cool i mean I have this thing here uh, for the audience here. I found this fan account with a bunch of points about the episode that I was going to toss over to you guys. If you're listening to this pod and you wrote this, please comment and reach out to us because we'd love to give you credit. But I'll kind of go along these points as you guys go like chronologically through the episode. So the first one that this person brought up was child elves written as human schoolyard bullies. So what differentiates elves from men? Very bad contrivance to initiate Galadriel's characterization. Yeah, I mean, I think that the only thing that Amazon's showrunner, like McKay and Payne, have done to differentiate men and elves is literally the lifespan and the pointy ears. That's really yeah. it. They seem to be the exact same type of acting so far. I mean, to me, they should they should be like the Numenorians and the elves. Their acting should be pretty similar because the Numenorians are like the closest thing to to an elf that isn't an elf, right? Yeah, and I find that the elves actually act similar to the to the men in the, in the Southlands, which is probably not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's nothing to distinguish them. I know they said like, oh, well, we wanted them to speak in what is iambic pentameter or something. It's like, look, people aren't poets; they're not even going to catch up, catch on that. The easiest way to do it when you're in a visual medium is to give them a visual distinction. And other than making every single person in the Southlands wrinkled and ugly there's no there's no distinction i mean you get a good looking one like the uh, a bronwyn and there's i mean wh- why isn't bronwyn playing an elf like she just looks like any of the others yeah exactly bronwyn would have would have uh definitely killed it as an elf she's she looks like an elf that's for sure and i think my girlfriend and i were watching and there was like one other character where we were like that person should have should have played an elf like they look like an elf and i'm forgetting who but i'll, I'll have to watch back but um yeah it's like bronwyn teo and then like teo's friend and then outside of that they're like ugh. yeah they're yeah, like the men, of, uh, <laughs> the men of Bree in uh, yeah. Peter jackson's like lord of the rings and the hobbit where they're just like all right <laughs> yeah so i got it is- so I got three more here as, as we progress along the episode. It says the elves just forgot about Sauron and Galadriel's own company thinks he just disappeared. Terrible force basis for conflict. Galadriel just somehow knows that the orcs were up to weird magic in the stronghold. She also knows that the mark is actually a trail for orcs to follow. So basically this guy is saying kind of a ridiculous plot device that she knows all this stuff. And also that the elves just forgot about Sauron. What do you guys yeah. think about that? So I'm going to say this one point and I'll kick it over to Elijah. It doesn't make any sense to me that the rest of the elves are like, maybe he disappeared. Like, give me a break. Like, at some point, you have to be sitting here. You're immortal. Sauron's immortal. At some point, he's coming back, whether you like it or not. And I don't think that there was any indication in the first age written by Tolkien that Sauron, you know, that the elves would have thought that Sauron's like just going to hide in a corner, never want to do anything because he's never going to go back to the Undying Lands. He's not going to be allowed there. Right. So mm-hmm. what's what's he to do? Sit sit in a in a cave in a mountain and just sit there for all eternity. Obviously, he's gonna do something and try to amass an army and take over Middle Earth. It makes any it just makes no sense. Yeah. Also, like though the mark is a is a is a signal for them. I mean, if if it 
if it is what some people have speculated, a symbol that literally gives them the location of Mordor, why is he carving it on Fenrod? Yeah, that's like the it's a terrible blunder. <laughs> it's our own like, cutting. Not it's like I'm Mordor. writing a map on your dead brother again, who dies. Right, that, that whole thing is he did yeah so jacob finrod doesn't die by the hand of, of sauron like he dies wow yeah. the wolves of um of sauron and what yeah, is what toll in garhoth or something yeah, like that so that's just a forced plot yeah. it is a bit of a forced plot so yeah like the, first of all all of galadriel's plot in this in this show is forced and then it's an even worse force when she's like, I'm taking up my brother's oath or whatever. Like, I'm going to finish yeah. his mission. Where it's like, that wasn't even his mission. Why are like, we doing he was He was the king of Nargothrond until yeah, Baron came. And because he owed a debt to Baron's father, Barahir, or grandfather, something like that, um, like he went with him to, to collect a Silmaril from Morgoth. They got, you know, they had this epic rap battle with Sauron who was inhabiting um, Finrod's earlier, you know, location in Tolengarhoth, which used to be called Minas Tirith. And they captured all the other elves with them, get eaten by werewolves. A werewolf goes for, goes for Baron, and Finrod hulks out, breaks the chains, and rips the werewolf apart with his hands and teeth. Yeah. And then dies of his wounds. Oof. And it's like, oh, he's got a couple scratches and a mark that Sauron carved on him. <sighs> He should like his whole body should basically be like just destroyed, not destroyed, but it's there just should be. Yeah, one. like for an elf to die, he would have been ripped to shreds. Exactly. It's yeah. I mean, again, that's that's Finrod for you. I mean, he was around for what like 10, 15 minutes of the of the show, and that 10, 15 minutes was 10 to 15 minutes too much of destroying his character. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess we're technically right now in the show, like we're talking about, we're in Fordwaith, uh, up in the northern waste of Middle Earth, uh, and they have found a stronghold. I don't know what what the stronghold is. It's some sort of stronghold. Mm-hmm. Um, and dwar- or, not dwarves, geez. Elves, uh, or elves are tracking down Sauron and, and Galadriel's company. They find this place. There's some orcs that are basically singed into the wall because of the dark magic that they were doing. Um, Okay, Snow Troll comes around the corner. All of the Elven Warriors are obsolete. They are grunts. They're just getting mm-hmm. just tossed around, and then Galadriel flips up onto a sword, and it's it's over. Now I know that we're, and I don't want to compare this to Peter Jackson's. Peter Jackson made is the is part of the reason why we're seeing Super Elves. Super Elves in the first age would have been pretty normal. Legolas did a lot of stuff in the Peter Jackson movies that have allowed for this mm-hmm. Galadriel to flip off of a sword and solo and a snow troll when the rest of her company couldn't do anything. Yeah. I would have loved them to have fought that snow troll the way that they fought the cave troll in Casa Doom in Fellowship of the Ring. But mm-hmm. yeah, like the cave troll felt like a threat. I mean, Aragorn's one of the greatest warriors of his age, and he's struggling against the snow the the troll, you know. And uh, getting flung around everywhere, he knocked out. Yeah, none of them are just doing amazing against it. Yeah, and so it's a threat to the entire fellowship. And then all these elves, who you know, the I don't know if they're supposed to be the greatest warriors or, or just randos that are there with her in their ill-fitting male armor. Um, 
but you know they just get totally wrecked and then Gladriel and the dude that she's with I forget what they said his name was because it's not actually stated in the show I don't think yeah I don't I don't remember his name um uh but they they just stand there for a bit and watch as he picks a dude like throws a dude on the ground picks him up crushes him against the wall throws him down and it's only when he's going to step on him that Gladriel's like, you know what? Maybe I should do something. And by then, a guy's behind her that wasn't behind her before. <laughs> and the other dude is like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to attack the troll. I'm going to throw my sword on the ground so she can jump on it and I can launch her into the air so she can do this. Re- like the whole editing, the, the editing of the sequence is awful. It's terrible. Yeah, Nothing that, that was really does bad. flows into the next shot. So you get a complete disconnect from what just yeah it's it was bad and i was, was shocked really, because it's <laughs> it's it's really it's really bad and i also feel like even the people that are like 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 just drink this show's content all day long and post and post and post daily rings mm-hmm. of power blah 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 galadriel fan account blah, blah, blah. even those people are lying to themselves and i think universally even the people that loved the show before it even came out were like this is a ridiculous scene Mm -hmm. this scene is bad and and i think that it's a huge oversight by mckay and Payne to not look at that and go okay okay maybe in in 2002 and 2003 when lego lost solos um oliphant uh like you know that was ridiculous but kind of cool this is cringe this is really cringe. and the thing is i saw some people calling it a, a mary sue moment yeah there's well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's a mary sue only because the other elves can't do anything so if the other elves were competent and she was just shown as being more competent that's not a mary sue moment right but when they're all stupid and they can't do anything and she's the only one who can then that becomes the issue like getting literally like just tossed around by the snow mm-hmm. thrown up against a wall and the thing is is whichever elf that was that turned the corner and saw the snow troll he literally he didn't even have a shred of doubt as to what it was it almost seemed like they had they had dealt with the snow troll many times before and they're like all right let's go we're ready to roll and then he turns around throws his flame at, at, at it I, I don't know mm-hmm. whether that was to light up the area i i don't know but i mean he just he, he pulled a uh he pulled a um oh gosh what's that jim carrey uh, ace ventura you know, like chucking his torch down the the, the cave. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I mean, again, I like I watched that. I was like, I literally was in the theater and I giggled in my seat. Whether people thought that was rude or not, I laughed. I don't care. It was yeah. a ridiculous scene. Um, <laughs> so that's forward with, I mean, whatever, you know, it, it, it visually again, everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Um now I'm gonna go to a part of the show here that really frustrated me. Prior to the frustration, I actually enjoyed the way that they introduced Elrond. He's sitting in a tree in the forest, similar to how Frodo was sitting in that tree in the Fellowship of the Ring, like waiting for Gandalf to to come with the fireworks. It kind of gave me that, like not obviously that these characters are connected in that way, but it gave me that little parallel. I like that. And then Elrond's sitting there, he's writing up a speech for Gilgalad, and I thought that that was cool. But it all goes downhill real, real quick. First of all, why is an elf maiden or a hand of the king or whoever that late that elven lady was coming up to Elrond's like, hey, just to let you know, you can't come to the next meeting. Elf lords only. Like, yeah. like who are the elf lords? <laughs> what is this? Some secret society? Like, what are you talking about? It it's makes like, no sense. 
Elrond is the descendant of some of your greatest kings. Like, there's literally no one who qualifies to be an elf lord more than him. Yeah, and his father, Arendil, is your most beloved star. What do you... Yeah. Well, there, there's another example of a forced conflict. Yeah, exactly. Like, if Gilgalad to... is a son of Orodreth, then he's the son of, like, <laughs> a king who became king because Finrod left. Literally. Which, you know, depending on, you know, what origin you want for, for uh, Gilgalad. Exactly, which, that yeah, I mean, that's shrouded in some... Like, he is pain. less royal than Elrond. Exactly. Like, it, it, by, and then Elrond is just, like, uh, this guy who's basically... What I, what I described, yeah, uh, what I described him as on Twitter was he's, like, the pledge class president at a fraternity at a university. He's, like... Mm-hmm the brothers is number one pledge and he's like they're like just do your job and then you'll be one of us some, at some point and then it's like you know elrond goes above and beyond he's writing speeches for gilgalad and then he's going on diplomatic missions to cause of doom and to mm-hmm. Eregion, and then like oh, okay you're an elf lord now that makes no sense and i think that it's like yeah, it's do just, you win your elf lordship they, exactly it doesn't like that just, that's not how the elves do work. you get elected do you run for office is that why they're writing speeches like, why is he writing Gilgalad speech? Well, that goes into exactly. Galadriel calling Elrond a politician. Yeah, exactly. She goes, always politicking. Or it's like, yeah, you're a politician. And the thing, when she says that, it's like, what? It's like, why are you? Because he wants to hear about her. It's like, oh, I want to hear about you. You sound just like a politician. <laughs> Well, to be fair, like, I feel like Elrond's character, like, even in the Third Age, I find that he is, like, he's not a politician, but he's he's great with words. He's friends with it, with with all the races. Mm-hmm. He's got friends in, in the dwarves. He's got friends in the elves. He's got friends in the men. He's a high, he's, a, you know, he's Lord Elrond. Mm-hmm. He's the wise. I believe that there's an aspect of politicking, and I'm okay with Elrond being, like, the diplomat of them. I, yeah, I, yeah, okay diplomat's fine. But... <laughs> For him to be like talked down to like elf lords only like that is so cringe it is cheesy that's not how things worked and that's not even how elrond's character would have ever been treated by tolkien and, and in his writings and he wasn't and then not only that it goes gilgalad and whoever that lady was mistreating elrond in my opinion and then we double down and it's gilgalad and elrond completely mistreating galadriel yeah and it's like oh your friend is here it's like your friend, your friend, your friend. Is that what we're calling Galadriel now? A friend? <laughs> like, is she being disrespected this much in Linden when she, in the Second Age, is a, is the Lady of the Eldar in Eriador and Eregion? Well, so then she was pissed about it. Like, she is the only Noldor that was ever accepted as a ruler by the Sylvan Elves. Exactly, and then they would only accept Sindar because Sindar were the were the ones who had stayed back. You know, the kind of the descendants of, um, of, you know, the Thingol and Doriath and all that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. What, what about this part of it, too? I mean, you, you had Elrond being super chill about Sauron. He said uh, there's ample time for decisions. Uh, I mean, that was kind of weird to me. I mean, you have uh, Gilgalad just assuming that Sauron is no more. So like a bunch of this stuff where the elves, too, are kind of just acting like Sauron isn't this thing. They, they doubled down on that a lot too in that scene. And the thing is like in the Silmarillion, Sauron doesn't do a lot in the first age. Like he has Tolan Garoth, he turns into a vampire. <laughs> you know, he tries to fight Huan and gets completely wrecked, barely escapes with his, his physical form. And then I don't think we hear much about him until 
the second the at the end of the first age after the war of wrath yeah exactly and then he's got to accumulate his power by being deceiving and you know Mm-hmm. All, all of that like and he then, really I mean, doesn't want them to know he's still there no he really doesn't that's that's just the case and mm-hmm. and we will um what so then we keep going so that we keep going forward um now we reach the part that really upset me Gilgalad is basically forcing galadriel to leave and go to the undying lands this mm-hmm. literally i'm so, like i cannot I, I i make some sort of exceptions and i and i kind of come to terms with some of the other decisions this makes absolutely no sense there's no way any elf is telling you it, you could be a commoner a, a commonwealth elf whatever you want to call it you're not being told to do that you, if you want to stay over middle earth then you can stay over middle earth like yeah I'm, like what? It's like Gilgalad's out there handing out trips to Valinor like he's Oprah handing out cars. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like he's like you get a ticket, you get a ticket. It's like what does it mean? Gilgalad has no say. He has zero say. Yeah, it's like, like it's, this is a reward that's unheard of in all of our lore. Yeah, like, what? It's like it, 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 that wants to go. Like they they're going constantly, like all the time. The elves. Are, Different elves are going across the sea. Yeah. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. That what about, really what about Gilgalad uh, declaring peace? Yeah. Or saying, it's like, oh, they've returned victorious. Victorious from what? It's like, what are they victorious over? Exactly. It's just basically like you wasted a, a centuries of your life mm-hmm. and then you came back. Well, not wasted fully, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, you yeah. Just, but then it's like and like what I have down in my notes here is this like crazed mindset from Galadriel, which again, there are writings from Tolkien where she refused to go back to the Undying Lands, or like she always felt like there was a growing fear in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Like those things are true. But for for her to come back and she's like, I request a new company, and I'm going to be going back mm-hmm. to the north to go hunt more or whatever. And then, which is fine if you're going to write Galadriel as his character. She's a commander. She wants a new company. She wants to get back out there and go keep looking around. Fine, fair enough. But then you can't have Elrond and Gilgalad going. No, get your ass on the ship. You're leaving. What? That's just disrespect. It's just full blown. Disrespect. Yeah, the, the Galadriel in this is not Galadriel. She's not. Yeah. No. There's she's not she's almost fighting for her lordship as well which makes no sense yeah and, and and her whole goal in going to middle earth period and this is stated in just about every single instance is because she wanted to rule it's in the Silmarillion. it's stated in the unfinished tales multiple times that she wanted to rule a kingdom of her own that she felt like everything she'd learned from from aule and and was a yavana i get my i get my um my uh valar mixed up but um, like all that she learned, the lore, the craftsmanship, all this stuff, she felt like she was constrained if she couldn't then go and rule and build of her own. And so yeah. she uh, she goes across with everyone else or in one, you know, she leaves with Celeborn, who's there called Telporno, which thank God they're not using that. Um, and they go <laughs> on a ship. Bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it means silver tree, just like Celeborn, but... <laughs> <laughs> just yeah you can't use that one today i get nope. just shreds online um yeah but like so yeah, she I mean, leaves on a ship before the kin slang it's like but in all cases her her motivation to leave is consistent she wants to rule she wants to room, rule a realm of her own and so her entire existence in middle earth in this show makes no sense 
yeah. according to what we know of Tolkien. And they didn't have to stay say that specifically if they didn't have the rights to it. They just they can just allude to it by having her rule. Exactly. Yeah, and the way the way I see this, and like you know, uh, we're gonna take a uh, like a quick. 10, 10 second break here after this one. Um, the way I see it is whenever I was in the movie theater and whenever whenever I was at home watching, the second that they showed Lyndon, I was like, or Lyndon or however you want to pronounce it. I was like, that's beautiful. That looks amazing. It looks great. But then I know everything that happens under those trees and in those buildings is literally lore breaking. I, the second that it comes on screen, I'm like, I know something's going to happen here that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, to be fair, Elrond going with Celebrimbor is completely made up. Yeah, the elves not being friends really? with dwarves in Eregion is also a big issue. Exactly. But Galadriel, really? in oh, the wow. Unfinished Tales, it's Galadriel who fosters the friendship between the elves and the dwarves. Okay, does that have anything to do with time compression, do you think? It no, has to do with bad deciding decisions. To, wow. Yeah, just, yeah just, <laughs> it's really just deciding to use characters differently. Like, like mm-hmm. you... You could have had Galadriel in the Elrond form, and, and 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 Galadriel is the one that's fostering the relationship between the dwarves. If you didn't want the dwarves to have already been in Eregion helping out the, the elves and like their mutual trade, smithing objects together, if you didn't want that already, that's fine. But the person that needs to foster that relationship is Galadriel, and then it gets handed off to Celebrimbor, and then the Gwyth mm-hmm. you know, E. Murda in, in, in Eregion, that would be those guys would hit the Galadriel hands a torch and is like, here you go. These dwarves are, they're amazing people. Let's be friends. And then that's it. But yeah, I mean, it also creates conflict. It would create, you know, drama between Galadriel and her husband because Celeborn hates dwarves yeah. because of what they did to Thingol, you know, by sacking um, Menegroth. Mm. And then we will get right back into this in one second. Be right back. So we are back here. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the, the whole dwarven relationship there and Elrond fostering it, like in a way I'm okay with El- Elrond fostering it, but I feel like he just took away from Galadriel and Celebrimbor, their characters, because I feel like it was those two that really fueled the friendship behind mm-hmm. it. Obviously Elrond never was written to do that. Yeah, it's like, what what causes the affinity with El- for Elrond with the dwarves? For Celebrimbor, it's being a craftsman. And being a craftsman, he loved what the dwarves did, and the dwarves loved what he did because they found a fin- they found kinship in in their their um their craft. But like, where does Elrond meet during the fourth? Do they do they did they share a dorm? Yeah, exactly. Are they part of a frat? I mean, <laughs> it's like they went to college together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. I mean, look, I, there's so many more episodes coming forward. I mean, this is going to be at the very least three to four seasons at the very least mm-hmm. uh, i know they're contracted for five but yeah they're contracted for five so i mean it, look again i think that this goes past five uh, mm-hmm. and we'll, so we'll, i'm sure we'll see the the behind the scenes as to where they met and who knows piece together the puzzle that is made up by amazon um but i guess what we could do now is we'll go forward here um let's talk about the southlands uh let's talk about the southlands what do we think about the watchtower there and the March Warden and looking over the people of the Southlands for 80 years that Arondir is there? Hmm. I, I, I got mixed feelings about it because I find Arondir's acting to be really strong. I actually like the character Bronwyn. She seems great. Are they should they have this this 
relationship on screen of love? No, because it was very rare and very special mm-hmm. in these writings for the union of a human and an elf. But yeah. I, I don't I don't mind the storyline there. I don't like some of the characters, but I don't mind the storyline. Yeah. Like the big thing is the so it's being the watchtower staffed by Sylvan Elves. Sylvan Elves hated other races. Like for the most part, they avoided them completely. They hated dwarves. They had like even uh, uh, the the um, green the the realm of Greenwood and you know and Mirkwood with Thranduil and all that. They have kind of like a trade relationship with Lake Town, but they don't really interact with the humans. Yeah, exactly. It's like Bard comes, takes it back, like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they send the barrels down the river, and then they get them back, and then they send them like they have like it's just a you know they meet with one or two, but the they don't like other races. They don't even like the Noldor. Yeah, they, 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 they do yeah. not at all. They they were never under the kingship of, of Gilgalad. Gilgalad did not rule them. Exactly. When uh, when um, uh, was Orad? What's the name? Uh, I forget the name of the king. Uh, the uh, Thranduil's father. Um, oh, uh, Orifer. Orifer. Yeah, Orifer. Yeah. Um, like when he and um, Amroth's father go to. Um, uh, go w- with the battle of the uh, last lines of an elves they go in as their own force yeah as allies but, yeah they're not they're not beholden to gilgalad i i really hope we see them by the way like i, I hope that we see or or for an amroth or cat or or something of that sort or casted from that other uh, realm of elves like I, I would love to see that maybe arondir goes back there uh, yeah. uh and and informs them of everything going i don't know but that would be great to see them at the end of the the last season when they go siege uh Baradur. Yeah. But i i like this is all leading up to i guess what we're about to talk about cause of doom what like first of all i have this is a very minor detail i have a little bit of a problem with elrond and Celebrimbor, regardless of whatever watchful piece they're in right now they just stroll up to kazadim in their robes and like no swords no armor no, no nothing whatsoever i mean who knows no one with them like no one with them not even like an escort it's literally just here they just walk right up and this is something that takes a little bit of away from middle earth for me it's almost like in Skyrim when you could just fast travel to a new to a new location. That's kind of what's going on. Yeah. I would have looked, like, fit in like three minutes of them walking through the, the the trees and talking about the environment and whatever. That's what made Tolkien's writing so special, and so mm-hmm. different from all these other authors that that write about castles and elves and dwarves and 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 wars and stuff. Right, and like what was walking around in the Second Age too? Like what was going on on the journey? Like we we have no idea what went on on the on the way. I mean. I'm with you. It's it's kind of weird how it kind of just portals around. Yeah, it would have been nice to see them pitch a pitch a camp and and talk by a fire and Celebrimbor maybe gives them some some wise words or something like that. That would have been neat. But again, I mean that doesn't that doesn't happen. It's just it's like, all right, here we go. Are, do you, have you ever have you ever worked with the dwarves before? And then boom, they're at Kazadun. You know, like that's just for me. And I understand that there's not too much time, but I, like. There's not much time in movies because it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Like in two, yeah, two hours we get nothing. Like yeah. the story just it it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Just yeah, introduce set up. characters. It's mm-hmm. two setup episodes. It was like here are all of our characters for the season, minus the Numenorians, and also look at all of our CGI. 
Like yeah. that's kind of the way it went <laughs> down. And I'm like, you have uh, like in the Tolkien's writings are a literal goldmine. They're a media goldmine. And I, I just hate to see them squander this opportunity. There's so many more episodes. This next one could be so strong. I think Numenor looks amazing. But anyway, Elrond and Celebrimbor get to get to Khazad-dûm. Elrond thinks that he has this amazing relationship with the dwarves. Clearly he doesn't because 20 years has passed since he's seen Durin. They don't even permit him unless he invokes the right of something made up. Yeah, Sigid Tarag or something. Yeah. Which so apparently why, just why means long beard. Why didn't he say the words that Frodo said to open up the... Well, because that door's not made yet, I guess. Yeah. Or they didn't go to that specific entrance. Yeah. Well, that door can't be made because Celebrimbor makes it with uh, Narvi. Yeah, exactly. Who's not in the show. Yeah. That's my bad. All right, there you go. If, I mean, maybe he ends up being in the show. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he might be the the, the, the chief uh, dwarven smith that goes to Eregion because at some they're going to go, right? They're like The, the dwarves are going to go mm -hmm. to go help Celebrimbor build this forge. Maybe it's Narvi yeah. that goes with them. As the, Who knows? I mean, that Why is an elf giving himself a few months of a timeline to build something? Yeah, I can't tell if they're in the summer. Or like, it has to be done by fall. spring. Like, why would you care? You're an elf. It's like, what kind of ridiculous Maybe there's a pressing threat that they're being... timeline are you giving yourself? Yeah, the, the time compression has been, if that's the case, the compression is even more compressed than I thought. Yeah. Because we're dealing with Numenorians who have a long lifespan, dwarves who have a long lifespan, elves who are immortal. I think that you can say this needs to be done in two or three years and nori and your poppy or whatever are still going to look young and they're still going to look like very young harfoots mm -hmm. and your men of the southlands are still going to look really young or very old if they are already old like the the couple months it just that doesn't make any sense and i guess this upcoming episode i think that we see this banquet scene where Celebrimbor. or actually no we definitely don't because muriel is at that one which makes no sense but yeah sorry we'll keep going on cause of doom it looks stunning yeah, it looks amazing. There's too much greenery um, yeah, because there's at one point it says yeah. like the dwarves don't like like to grow anything of their own. They can, but they prefer to get it from the from the people around them. So like the dwarves are more are better known for being um, open with outsiders and with trade relationships than than even people like the the Sylvans. Yeah, because they have to get their food, they have to get their plants, they have to get their drink, they have mm -hmm. to all that stuff. I mean, I mean, they're buddy. Like some dwarves are buddies with the hobbits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they trade with the hobbits, and you know, like I, I definitely want to see their their trade routes in the in the old dwarf road. Um, that would be great. And I, I think Casa Doom is to me by far and away the best part of the show so far. I think Owain Arthur's acting as Durin is amazing. I think his mm -hmm. father's acting is going to be great. They should not be alive at the same time. Whatever. Their acting seems great. Disa's acting is great. Mm -hmm. And something that I kind of picked up on, which Elijah, we talked about for a while, when the dwarves walk Elrond in to, to Khazad-dûm, he's obviously, you know, marveling at this, which should be the case. I mean, Khazad-dûm mm -hmm. was, you know, let's just, if we're doing a, if we're doing a realm ranking off of strength alone and, and, and how glorious it is, Khazad-dûm has to be top three, top two mm -hmm. in, in, at the time, right? Yeah. So he's marveling at it. But the dwarves that are walking him in, their arms are really small. And they look to be, like, they look dispro disproportionate. And then they go into the room to start crushing rocks. And all the dwarves, they are they look proportionate. And yeah. they look more like Peter Jackson's dwarves. 
it, it's very obvious that they just cast short actors to be in the costumes. Yeah. And for that scene. And the thing is, um, uh, Robert Aramayo, he's only like, what, 5'9". He's not very tall. And he's barely taller than the dwarves that are escorting him around. Yeah. So that's a little bit of like a... I mean, it's 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 fine. You have to go with what actor you can get. You know, this is if this was animation, it would be unacceptable. But you know, in real life, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Aragorn, you know, Viggo Mortensen isn't six foot six. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, and then Galadriel is it's it's going to be it's hard to cast you know a a, a woman that's incredibly tall. Eight. I mean, yeah. they're all in the they're all in the WNBA for the most part. I mean, if you're a woman and you're six eight, you are. And yeah probably playing you know you're not you, I, I don't think that there's any actors actresses that are six foot eight or six foot nine yeah. or seven feet tall whichever whatever Galadriel is right so yeah I mean aside from oh gosh what's her name Gwendolyn Christie yeah Brianna Toff right yeah like, she would definitely not play an elf but yeah but she's got the stature of I guess what what Galadriel yeah well, what they did really good with uh the the fact that um uh, Kate Blanchett is about five eight, five ten, something in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so already for a woman, she's tall. And then they just did stuff to make her seem taller. Yeah, like she looks like she's huge. Yeah, you know, height wise in the in the films. Yeah, I think that that was a detail that Amazon was like, this seems this is going to be a little bit difficult for all the things that we're doing, especially the stunts and yeah. how uh, the forefront she is. So like that's something I look past. But yeah, I mean um, that yeah, that's that's just it's the nature of the the craft. Yeah, you know, you have to change that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, so they bring Elrond into this into this room to start cutting up these rocks and do the, and do the tradition. Uh, seems like there's a point where Elrond decides to forfeit as he would pr- he would prefer to use the power of his voice and speech to sway Durin instead because I'm sure Elrond could have kept going with these rocks uh it seems like there's a point where he's like all right screw this I will just speak with Durin after this and that's why he wants to be escorted out by Durin himself and then it all ends up working out he gets into the home of Durin which looks magnificent it's really cool to see dwarven homes that's the one Mm -hmm. we never really got to see in Peter Jackson's films even in The Hobbit yeah, we got to see the quarters of a dwarf, where they live, what their view is of the rest of the city. It's neat. It's mm-hmm. cool. I'm into it. Like for me, the best scene of the entire of both episodes was uh, uh, Durin's kids running around in the helmets. Yeah, like and then you know him being it. I don't know. It humanized them, or you know it. Well, humanizing is, is dumb for a dwarf, but uh, like it. it it created an emotional connection with the characters that I get it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got four kids, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, I see kids and dads like the on real. the screen. Like, and, you know, yeah. They have, they have struggles outside of mining and fighting and, and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. So no, I, I love that scene. I, I loved everything about, I, I really did. I liked everything about Cause of Doom. Um, I think it looks, it looks really good. I think it's the most accurate portrayal of anything that we've seen. I think the, mm-hmm. the acting from the dwarves are really good and it, the, the culture and everything. I think for me, I don't find any issues other than the fact that Durin and his father are alive at the same time. If you cut that out, I think it's almost near perfect for, for mm-hmm. Kaza Doom. And so I have to tip my hat. I really do. And yeah. the acting in Kaza Doom is really good. I mean, only- it is and Disa and you know it's good so I when they're on screen I'm like this is good this is really good yeah and like the the biggest issue I have with the whole um Kazadub scene is the the woman dwarf wearing boob armor yeah 
that, for some reason. That, yeah, I mean, she, it was only about a glimpse or two, but I think they're also setting up for female warriors, which is we're going to see it across all of the races, where, whether it's you know dwarfs, Numenorians, or or elves. It, you know, it's going to happen, and and it's it it's fine. I mean, I think she like she, I need if there's one race where I want to see the women fight, it's going to be the dwarves. I feel like they're well. The thing is, the the dwarves are about one third female. Yeah, they would so not be sending their women to fight. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them to fight because you don't have as many like, females. Yeah, yet. you you barely reproduce as it is. You don't want them in any danger whatsoever. Yeah. You know that kind yeah, of that's stuff. True. And the it, dwarf men would go off to war. And when dwarf went when dwarves went to war, <laughs> they took stuff out. So like yeah. yeah, if they if they put the dwarf woman in in battle, it's gonna be so. It's dumb from the the, the Tolkien world. It's to a, begin from a logistic with. standpoint, like and from a logistic, yeah, it's just awful. Yeah, and I and I will say um, my last point here on on well, first of all, Elrond is there to 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 get to gain favor with the dwarves and have them come to Eregion and and help Celebrimbor, which I think eventually is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that this relationship with Elrond and Durin is actually setting something up for a much later scene in a later season. When when Durin's armies empty out of Khazad-dûm and go and basically ambush Sauron's forces that are currently fighting Elrond and they hit mm-hmm. him from behind basically that is going to be even cooler because they do already have this relationship when Elrond turns around and he's able to see the dwarves coming from behind Sauron's forces eventually mm-hmm. uh, you know later on in the seasons i think i i think that that's going to be cool like i think it's going to add more to the scene it's not like elrond's just going to be super confused like whoa wait why are the dwarves empty like you know he's gonna be like my yeah. friend I, yeah you know, I, like, I think it'll be I, an emotional payout yeah exactly that's that's what i'm saying um so yeah casa doom is great and did you have anything else before we move on to the southlands with with arondir and bronwyn i don't i don't have anything i think yeah. Right, then we covered it. Good. So moving on, Southlands. All right. So basically, uh, Arondir is, you know, finds out that he's going to be leaving the Southlands because Gilgalad has declared pe- declared peace. March Warden tells, you know, Arondir, these people are basically savages. They're horrible people. You will never have to see them ever again. You're going home to, you went from rags to riches as an elf. You're going to go back to title and status because of your deeds here. Blah, 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 blah. Um whether that's the case or not, I, I don't, I don't, whatever. I mean, it's like what it's, deeds they go in and they check on them once a month. You're basically occupying land. Yeah. I mean, all the things that, uh, that media and everything tells about how, you know, Americans and, and, you know, war and the war in the Middle East and whatnot. Not that I want to get too far into that, but that's kind of what they're, you know, like it's a theme of like military occupation is not something that's a hot topic in, in America right now. Anyway, so the, the elves are leaving and Arondir goes down to Bronwyn and Teo keeps talking about how these mice are under the floorboard. He can't fall asleep. I find that to be kind of cool how the orcs are burrowing under these homes and they have the talent. I, I like him confusing it with mice. Yeah, it doesn't make it. Like, yeah, I've had mice infestations in my house to like a severe degree that mm-hmm. required um, uh, drastic measures to get rid of. They don't sound anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, it's like yeah, what are the I, mice like? You know, the size of a cat. <laughs> it was definitely an interesting choice. Like maybe a bunch of rabid dogs on the floorboard. Mm-hmm. But well, like, if he had gone with rats, it would have been better. 
Yeah, mice don't, yeah. Like big, big rats or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so around here, I bet, you know, he's, he's obviously heartbroken. He's going to have to leave Bronwyn. There's clearly a connection there. And then around here comes down from the watchtower to go to tell Bronwyn, basically, I'm leaving or I don't want to leave, whatever. And then some farmer, whoever, dude, brings up his cow that looks like shit. And they grab one of the udders and ooze black ooze comes out and i guess it's a sign of signal of evil but i find that to be the most simplest form of signifying that there's evil in the lens poison or whatever yeah and i didn't really like that it's like oh bad things are happening because this guy this little cow he's oozing yeah it's like why why it's such a like tolkien's evil isn't that yeah it's it, when it destroys the world it's a it's an active destruction you know they go around and they burn everything they corrupt it all i mean i guess they could say oh well it's corrupt and corruption because it's poison it's like no they use it for their stuff like what we see saruman doing in in um osgiliath where he um orthanc sorry not um in uh, the tower of orthanc when uh he is just destroying all the trees around him and then using them to fuel the fires of 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 industry that he's doing you know the, the real destruction like world burning destruction not yeah. soil like orcs are walking around and the soil is making this this cow like whatever it may be i mean i guess in a way it's like if the orcs are burrowing underground throughout mordor if that's really where they are um I guess it would poison the soil because they're orcs and I guess it makes a little bit of sense, but you wouldn't see it ooze out of the, yeah, I find, I found it to be like a lazy, like signifying evil in a, in a little bit of a lazy way. Like, and a lot of the stuff that they've done here is pretty lazy. Like Bronwyn and Arondir don't get a natural love story. We're told like they get the one scene where they talk and you know, you get that there's something between them. And then the next one's like, I've told you, in a hundred ways just without words like they have to tell us that they're in love mm-hmm. because they can't show it they're not they're not dedicated to showing us that relationship they want to tell us about that relationship yeah. and once we're told then they can you know move from there for whatever i don't know yeah so i mean yeah no i i think that there's a lot of issues and I, and to be honest with you i am finding like I, i'm finding myself less aggravated with it because i find that those two act like the actor and the actress you know arondir and broadwin are really good and it makes it much more convincing so it's like it it, it makes it more enjoyable to watch so oh, like lose. they're they're teary-eyed the entire time they're together <laughs> they are teary-eyed the entire time they're together but they, but they almost feel they they feel like Middle Earth though those two characters they do they feel like Middle Earth not like some Joe Schmoes which there are some total Joe Schmo elves that walk around that don't seem like they're elves and there's some men that seem like they're more from a Game of Thrones scene than they are from you know uh, mm-hmm. Middle Earth so anyway Aramir well, I- and Bronwyn go to this village where that's where the cow was grazing not far not not long ago and this is where Bronwyn was born. They get there. Town is just demolished. There's no sign of life. There's no humans. There are no orcs on the ground. It's just a burning village and it's deserted and there's just no signs of even death. Yeah. And they walk into one of the cottages there in the town and there's just under the floorboards just a big old hole. And this this hole leads to a tunnel and this tunnel did not seem like it was just pushed through by a worm. It's clearly been tended 
this is where the orcs are hiding and they're they're filtering back through the Southlands into Mordor. And this is kind of where Arondir is like, I'm going to go on this mission. I got to go look at this. I have to. He goes and I was, it was riveting, honestly. He's burrowing, you know, in these, in these tunnels and these orcs are, he can tell there's knives, there's, there's not knives, but crazy freaking claws that these orcs have. It's ridiculous, but it's going to make holding a sword very difficult. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And they're like, you know, burrowing on the walls and, and, you know, Arondir ends up getting captured at the end of the second episode. What did you think, though, of the scene where the orc is in the house with, with Bronwyn and Tao, where the, that orc is really dumb. Obviously, mm-hmm. they weren't going to kill off or mortally wound any of these characters in the first and second episode. Yeah. That orc was really dumb. And I also did not like his insane scissor hands. That's just not... I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edward, yeah, orc, orc scissor hands. And he yeah, was also his... like a super orc too. Like he pushed that wood table like like across the whole. Yeah, he chucked it. He threw it. Like he was like, "No, you want to leave and get out of here? No." Like and like one backhand knocks Bronwyn across a thing into the wall. You know, he's yeah. he's basically it's the same thing as what they did with the Trollocs in the Wheel of Time. The Trollocs are get their strength in numbers. They're not hard to kill, according to the book. Like an average person can kill a Trolloc. Yeah, and exactly. orcs. They're not the greatest fighters. It's not until you get like the Urukai and some of the great orcs that you have a, a physical threat that you have to deal with. Their strength is in numbers. Like they breed like crazy. Yeah, exactly. That's they it. always it's come with overwhelming force. They're just grunts. They're foot soldiers, and you just get overwhelmed because they're it's always like you're outnumbered four to one to, to mm-hmm. them every time, and that's how they kill you. Um so like these orcs being super, super orcs is just so odd and dumb. Yeah. And it's a generic. It's so, so generic to, to modern fantasy where you've got these super strong elves. That, and the, you know, the, the whole editing of the sequence is terrible. It's hard to tell what's going on and who's doing what and why things are happening. Why, where did the sword come from that she stabs him with? Yeah, you don't even see, you don't even get like a clear view of the orc. Like he's very, like, like I have a very nice TV in my place, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's, the whole scene was was like blurry. Like the orc was like, like here and there and you didn't get to see him very well like at all and all of a sudden it's like head chopped off done and then the real the real view of the orc with the prosthetics are really good and it looks great his head is already cut out onto a table and it's like we need to leave and we need to leave now like again Mm -hmm. i was totally cool with the fact that she slayed the orc obviously yeah. like you're defending your home and that is awesome it makes bronwyn look like a like a baller and i'm i'm all for it okay mm-hmm. and the fact yeah. that she's like you you wanted proof i brought back proof here it is boom on the table yeah. we need to leave i loved it that was cool but the, this little things little details that anybody that is a lord of the rings or book fan or even of the movies alone you would know that there's only really ever been one ridiculous super orc or two of them right and that was mm-hmm. Azog and Bolg. And they were completely over-dramatized. And everybody had a problem with it. So, like, can we mm-hmm. not do that again? Yeah. Well, like, even in, uh, it's like in Lord of the Rings, you get the the captain of the orcs in Moria who spears um, Frodo. You know, it's a troll in the in the films. Um, and he was a really strong orc captain. Did. But, like, Argon kills him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, all right, yeah, you want to screw around with us? All right, like, I'll, I'll face you one-on-one. And then it's done within two lines, right? So, yeah. It's like, the, um, again, even that, you know, that captain of the orcs isn't, 
I mean, the Aragorn's an incredible warrior and all that kind of stuff too. But uh, like these orcs are too, they're too strong. Like each of them is this strong. Yeah. It's like, like not gonna make any sense. And whether this was just like a blunder on the filmmaker's end and, and they just wanted some theatrics to the scene and like mm-hmm. later on it's gonna get corrected, it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, and it's just these are the things people are gonna pull out. You have a billion dollar budget. This is a there's a huge fan base, and there's a lot of detail, like the most detail of anything ever put into books for fantasy mm-hmm. novels is Tolkien. And come on, people are gonna dissect your work. And these are like the Galadriel. I find that this whole orc pushes the table with the force of a Jedi and um mm-hmm. the Galadriel flipping up on a sword and soloing a troll i find them to be right up there together we're of course going to see that and be like come on yeah like do they realize do they realize that every single thing they do is going to be broken down to the mind to the smallest detail yeah like we are going to examine the minutiae of every single shot because that's who tolkien fans are it's even more obsessive than you know you know the star wars fandom is pretty big but the tolkien fandom is i think significantly more obsessive yeah and it is it is some people you know, are making every excuse that they can think of for it yeah and you know what if then, that's what you have to do to enjoy the show yeah, go ahead no 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 i i hear i hear what you're saying it, it's so true i mean the star wars fandom and the lord of the rings fandom i think are the big or it's star wars lord of the rings and marvel in my opinion that are like great like with the books and the lore and the backstories and the characters i think that there's not there's no there's nothing that really rival i mean game of thrones sure yeah and like, DC, those of course. four right that are yeah. up there that don't they, they're not rivaled by anybody else and star wars got ripped to shreds for the last um for, for for that last trilogy i hated every second of it i did not like any of it it got ripped to shreds you know and then they pivoted and the, i think the last actually good thing that's come out of star wars is the mandalorian but yeah anyway like it's yes it's going to get dissected and and we already have it there's a huge following the books have been out for coming up on you know what 75 years or something like that yeah have been out and it's it's like you're dealing with like the bible of fantasy and it needs Mm -hmm. to be like you got to put all the attention to detail you have a billion dollar budget but i know we're running short on time here i I do think though i think a really good question to finish off on is what you texted me uh a few days ago is is does this are, are we upset about this maybe not feeling like tolkien lord of the rings or peter jackson lord of the rings is that like an important distinction to make like are we so predisposed to that yeah i guess we could finish on that question um and then let me just wrap that like wrap up the show i think the show kind of ends the, the show ends with the galadriel like the the whole the whole fish dragon um you know mm-hmm. i thought that they looked how brand yeah how brand or whatever yeah, like him and, putting his hand in the water and slicking it back yeah, in my opinion, I think that everything about that scene gave it away to me that Halbrand is the leader for the for the he's the Sa- he's Sauron theory, um, mm-hmm. which just is what it is. Um, and then yeah, so Galadriel, and then I, clearly Elendil shows up right in front of them uh, at the mm-hmm. end, so we'll be able to see that. And then uh, the stranger, I don't even want to talk about it too much. He's just shouting, and they're trying to figure out who he is. He doesn't even know who he is. It doesn't seem like, and he can't speak their language, so. Yeah. Let's talk here for a second. I'm you know, sorry, okay. I'll just, say you're, just say, real say. quick. Galadriel is of so little consequence. We barely covered anything that she's done in this. Yeah, in our whole conversation, we barely touched on her because nothing she does matters. Yeah. After like, that, like, after the beginning of the first episode. 
yeah exactly it's just it's yeah there's just poor writing though it's poor writing it's poor planning mm-hmm. like, like galadriel should be an epic character she is an epic character mm-hmm. which works but don't make her out to be this like whatever anyway going to um, valinor where valinor apparently is behind a veil that opens yeah, up in like, the sky despite the fact that you can see it from numenor well i think that they actually did that because it's like they're also paying a little bit of tribute to the to the lord of the rings return of the king uh at the end when gandalf well not at the end but in the middle of the ministerius battle uh gandalf tells pippin like the gray rain curtain peels back and then you see it and i felt like that was what they were portraying yeah like that was because i watched return of the king and then i watched that and i immediately found the parallel of like i feel like Mm -hmm. that's what they're portraying but regardless it just third age that's after the earth's been made around yeah exactly Uh. So, Jacob, I asked you this question this week. Are we not enjoying it because it's not like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings? Or are we not enjoying it because it's not Tolkien? Elijah, what do you think? Yes. And we'll end on this point. Yes, the answer is yes to both. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I told Jacob it's, it's, a, it's a combo of both. It definitely doesn't feel fully like Peter Jackson. I feel like they're, they're drawing so much from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Hobbit, which how could you not? It's, it's only natural to do that. But again, Peter Jackson, I think he nailed it on the elves. They are just, they're, they're regal, beautiful, like ethereal, if you will. It's, mm-hmm. it's angelic. And, and they feel like that in Peter Jackson. Like when, when the Fellowship or when the Hobbit or, or one of the dwarves in the Hobbit, they reach the elves or they meet the elves, you, they feel awestruck. Every character feels like they are like this is oh my god like i'm like not only am i seeing a celebrity i feel like i'm seeing a god like in front of me mm-hmm. in middle earth that's how it should feel and it they literally like, glow they don't glow they don't they don't glow and they they talk to each other like they're like how'd the well go did you get our number like you know and you're sitting there like this is just not the elves this isn't elven this is not elven at all and I think that they screwed that up. And then off of just Tolkien's writings alone, I mean, we talked about the Black Ooze. That's just such a, such a simple form of evil. Is like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. The darkness, the dark ooze. Yeah. And I guess like, just just, just so every like there's, a, there, I found positives in the show. There were parts that I really enjoyed it. When we saw Aregian, I did not think that we were going to see Aregian where, where, you know, the Elven Smiths the, in, in Celebrimbor rule. I did, I did not think that I was going to, we, we were going to see that first episode. When it popped up, I was like, oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and the scenery looked great in Celebrimbor's quarters or whatever. That looked amazing. Linden looked great. I mean, I think Elrond, Robert Aramario's acting is really good. I'm really intrigued to see the rest of Gilgalad and Benjamin Walker. Um, and I'm really excited to see more of the dwarves. So like, there's a lot of things I'm excited for on Thursday, but I feel like there's a really simple stuff, Elijah and Jacob, that they just have not figured out. And, and yeah. they decided to go in a different way to put their own little Amazon stamp on it. And I think in the end, it's going to backfire on them. Yeah. And in a way, it seems, and I, I thought this about, you know, way back when um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out, you know, that third Narnia film, where they just threw the book out the window, basically, took a ship, took a couple of the islands, and then added their own stuff to it, like a green mist that was going around stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, it was like the show, the, the writers were like, oh, we're going to put our own we're going to do our own thing because we don't think that C.S. Lewis knew what he was doing when he wrote this and we need something that's going to make it cohesive and they made it dumb. Yeah. And the showrunners are trying to be like, so we're going to do it. You know, we're going to tell the story that Tolkien never wrote. 
It's like, there's a reason he didn't write what you're writing because he wasn't dumb. Yeah. And he was, he knew what he was doing. Like, even though he wrote Lord of the Rings without a blueprint, it comes across so cohesive and so real when you're reading it. And this doesn't have any of that. Yeah. It almost, so, I mean, like... it's only two episodes. Yeah. It's which been we two are, hours. Yeah. yeah we're, you know, I'm not invested. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not fully invested. Like, I will say the the episode comes out on Thursday and, like, I'm not sitting here like, I can't wait. I have to look up articles or I have to look up whatever because mm-hmm. I'm not feeling like that. I feel like if they were accurate to the lore and they were, they were, or at least did, at least tried their best. Just try your best to stay as on point as possible mm-hmm. to the lore or deviate when you need to and when it's really necessary to deviate from, that's fine. And if if that was the case, I would be like, I cannot wait to see what we might get get to see next week. Because a lot of Lord of the Rings, what I've told Jacob for so long, is, okay, sure, a lot of people didn't like The Hobbit, but what did I get to see? Peter Jackson's Rovanian, right, and and mm-hmm. that portion of the Middle Earth, the map of Middle Earth, I loved. I that's one of my favorite portions of Middle Earth. Is that is where, you know, that 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 gap between Lothlorien and the Mirkwood elves and then Erebor and everything in between and the the, mm-hmm. the Iron Hills. I love that portion of the map. I really do. And I think Peter Jackson nailed it on it. I mean, a lot of CGI, but a lot of practical stuff. I love mm-hmm. seeing it. I need to, I want to feel that way going into, after this episode, I want to feel like I can't wait to see what we get to see in, in next Thursday. Yeah. Like leading up to the show, I was trying to stay as positive as possible, despite having a lot of misgivings from everything we'd seen in the marketing and then the interviews and stuff. Like right now, to me, the showrunners, whenever they talk, I find them insufferable. Yeah. Well, they, I, I clipped something. I clipped something from one of their interviews. He said, stay, he kept, so he kept saying in the interview, go back to the book. We have to, yeah. we always said to ourselves, go back to the book. And I clipped it because when they do something crazy, and, and they deviate from it. I'm going to drop it right under one of those those Lord of the Rings on Prime tweets because there are a lot of things that they did well, but there are so many things that they did bad. And I find mm-hmm. the bad things to have been the simple things to get right. Yeah. And if you can't get the simple things right, I don't want to even know what's going to happen. I'm worried for what is the relationship between Anatar and Celebrimbor. We need to see that. That has to happen. That like mm-hmm. that the fact that Celebrimbor gets deceived and then Eregian gets blown to shreds basically by by a host of orcs and Sauron like these things need to happen and again um, they they might have this timeline all over the place I don't know and they might come back to the central portions of this and I think that part of the rules of the show was that they can't deviate from the main plot and they can't screw up any character like mm-hmm. main canon characters they cannot die in a different way and. They cannot die if they did not die, right? Yeah. So maybe we end up seeing it, but maybe. But they if they if they don't have, I don't the the most detailed account that we have of of the second age and the whole thing that happens with the forging of the rings is from of Gladriel and Celeborn from Unfinished Tales. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that we get, you know, where they have a council where he gives out the the rings, more detail on how he gives out the rings and how he dies. Yeah. and we, what he does there um and how sauron comes in like in more detail and how he deceives them and how he works to manipulate the the smiths of Regian and all that and they just chucked all of that out the window 
So, like, much. what are they going to have the rights to do for, for that? They're, they're not going to have the rights to show us Sauron kill Celebrimbor and hang his body as a banner. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that in the intro. We really hope to see that. Yeah. I mean, I would hope to, but I, I doubt it. We don't know anymore. They, yeah. they might surprise us. We might be surprised, and they might do everything in their own way and on their own time, and if that's the case, that's fine, but we need again if you get the the canon characters correct and you get you get the deaths correct fine i I, i'll I'll walk away but anyway i know jacob uh we're running out of time here uh jacob i know that you didn't speak too too much i know you're texting me that this is great everything to listen to uh i'm sure we will have elijah back on this within maybe next week or the week afterward uh whenever he has time but this was awesome this was great uh we have way more points maybe we can hop on one this week if everybody has time for an hour uh and and chat mm-hmm. even more but um jacob as always and elijah hey, yeah, yeah. thank awesome. you elijah you guys yeah it was great thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah. yeah thank you elijah all right well we'll see you guys next week we'll have this pod uploaded today elijah let us know what your next availability is we'd love to have you back on all right i will yeah i mean all right guys yeah. Peace. Bye.